They said, Sal, we're giving away $300,000, $300,000 Ruskies to first place to one person who plays this DraftKings Thursday showdown. Do you want to make a video on it? I said, yeah, let's make a video on it. Let's educate the folks, the people, the good people out there, the podcast world, the good people out there on the YouTubers. So that's what I'm here to do, ladies, gentlemen, fellas, fellas, fellas. We're going to go through this showdown slate, DraftKings, SuperDraft. I got a bunch of projections up over on my other screen. You can get those down below on Patreon. Rankings, all that type of stuff will be up. We are going to be live on Thursday night. 5.30 to 6.30 is probably the optimal time. I'll set the live stream up beforehand so you can go ahead onto the channel and see when it's definitely going to be. And then you'll get your notification if you hit the subscribe, the like, all that stuff, the notification bell, and we can go live. I'll talk about my exposures, all that type of stuff that we usually do. But this is going to be the initial breakdown before I get any of my lineups all created. And then that'll be kind of the final closing thoughts, cover any injury news that might come out, take all the questions on that live stream that have been so, so fun. Over a thousand people tuning into all of them. If you're on the podcast, podcast version you have no idea what i'm talking about get over to youtube hit the subscribe button we go live before every monday night thursday night show we go live at noon on thursdays for stardom cinema and we go live before the big old slate on sunday and what i'm here to do right now is talk about 25 players and obviously we're not going to talk too much detail on a lot of them but we'll talk about 25 players right now because we've done the research we've got an idea of what happened in week one we got an idea of the usage of these players and we're going to go from there so let's start this bad boy up and before we do i just want to ask you like button one time we're about to get to we're getting really close to 30,000 subscribers over here and that's all because of all of you if you listen on the podcast and you can't hit the like button or the subscribe on youtube which i appreciate it if you could but if you can't on the podcast version hit the subscribe button over there and if you leave a review on the apple store the salvage show anybody can go and do this if you're watching on youtube you will get entered into a contest where i pick one person each week for a 50 giveaway the show is going to be sponsored by super draft you'll see on the screen that i have s draft a column for s draft that is the multipliers there's no salary cap over on super draft it's a fantasy game format you pretty much just use a multiplier so for instance joe mixon a 1.3 multiplier means he gets 30 percent more points. You multiply his points by 1.3, whereas John Ross gets 2.1 more points. So you're going to be multiplying his points by an an extra 110%. So that's a huge bonus. You multiply his points by 2.1. That's when you have projections. You can get an idea. These contests don't fill. A ton of people are winning on SuperDraft. Go ahead and get into SuperDraft. Promo code SAL gets you set up with a 50% deposit match up to $1,000. Ruskies, you can check it out. All linked down below. And with that said, let's get into this bad boy. And we'll kind of just start it from where I want to start, right? Some of my interests early on. Again, if you're watching this video, when it comes out probably on Wednesday morning, do not be taking these as my final thoughts. People come back in and say, you had no Darius Slayton. How didn't you have Darius Slayton? Well, Golden Tate was ruled out. If you're on the live stream, I got 75% Darius Slayton in that game. So I had a lot. So these are going to be the initial thoughts. And then some things will change based on news. And obviously based on the fact that I have not built a single lineup yet. I've just done the projections and all the initial research that I so kindly am here to share with you today. All for the exchange of a like and a subscribe. Thank you. So starting off with Joe Mixon today. Look, this is going to be a little bit difficult, at least from a week one perspective. Since he's O-line coming in, we knew it was bad. It was terrible last year, and that's exactly what happened in week one. They got no push for run blocking for Joe Mixon, who had 20 total touches and 19 carries in week one. He only ran 17 rounds to Giovanni Bernard's 11 rounds after signing this huge contract. We're hoping that that goes up a little bit more. He had one carry of 10 plus yards, but the good news is that he had 19 carries to Giovanni Bernard's one carry. Giovanni Bernard only had a little bit more activity in the receiving game, but Joe Mixon still did run more routes. We just hope it's a wider disparity of routes run, and then that leads to more targets, whereas Giovanni Bernard out-targeted him by a decent amount. But the issue in this matchup that I see is that, yeah, Jonah Williams is back for Cincinnati, but their O line continues to not look great. Now, I'm not worried for the entire season, but for this specific matchup, where after one week in the league, the best run defense according to pressure rates and according to how much they were in the backfield is Cleveland. Cleveland got destroyed in week one by the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, but they actually held up when it came to the ground game on a per touch basis. And 
a very good way. So the defensive line push here is actually going to be a huge issue for Cincinnati, which leaves me with some question marks, but also leads me to believe that you're going to see Joe Mixon in a game last week where he got 20 touches in a neutral game script when they're trailing. And they're four point underdogs in this one, but I'm expecting a little bit more routes run here. $8,600. I'm going to have interest to start with, but I'm not overwhelmingly interested in Joe Mixon because I think both starting running backs in this game are very much live. And I think I might even lean to the other starting running back who we'll get to in a second. The next man that I want to talk about is John Ross. John Ross is too cheap on the slate at $5,200 at a 2.1x multiplier in super draft. That looks very good. He had a team leading 84% of the snaps amongst all wide receivers, and he ran 37 routes. Those 37 routes resulted in five targets. Now he had a bad connection. He was on the outside. He was running a lot of routes downfield. He saw five targets. He only had a 40% catch rate catching two of them for 17 yards from Joe Burrow. It does look like John Ross this week is probably going to get some sort of treatment that's not going to be that great. Maybe Denzel Ward. Now, I don't expect it to be a shadow matchup. John Ross in week one played 47% of his snaps out of the slot below believe it or not. That's actually very good to see because maybe he can get away from a guy like Denzel Warren on the outside. And then he goes into the slot against Mackenzie Alexander, who's the former Minnesota Viking, who's actually pretty decent. So John Ross is all over the field. 47% of his snaps out of the slot. He was 26% on the left side, 26% on the right side. So he's all over the place. I don't think he's going to be shadowed. I think probably when he goes to the outside though, they'll be putting Denzel Ward on him, who usually sticks with some of the speedsters. I like John Ross. It's mainly a price play. Like John Ross should probably be somewhere around $6,500 in a showdown slate like this. And he's only 5,200. Next up, OBJ. And OBJ's week one was pretty much like his season last year, except this year he wasn't hurt like he was last year with a sports hernia, but he got 10 targets and he did absolutely nothing with them. But he did draw a couple pass interferences. So the box score is going to make it look a lot worse for OBJ. He actually was playing well. Baker was missing him, right? On the seven times that he was not actually on the receiving end of those targets, he ends up missing him. And three of those times he drew pass interference or penalties. So he ended up actually playing a lot better than it seems. And the box score will give him credit for it. He ran 33 routes and he saw those 10 targets, only three receptions, 15.2% of his snaps are out of the slot. He saw one deep target, but he had a pretty gross 7.3 yards per reception. So when he was actually getting these passes completed, they weren't that far downfield, which is a concern for the offensive line yet again for Cleveland and just Baker in general. And in that game, Baker actually had some protection. So that's what makes it a little bit even more worrisome. I think you'll probably see a mixture of probably William Jackson on him and Darius Phillips, as I assume Odell will for the most part be on the outside, as you saw 15% of his snaps in the slot, but he was on the right side of the field 61% of the time, whereas William Jackson in week one was on the right side of the field for Cincinnati on defense 82% of the time. So a William Jackson versus Odell matchup, I think it's fine for Odell. William Jackson is probably the best cornerback on this team. Mackenzie Alexander in the slot is very good, but I think Jackson overall is the best cornerback, and I assume they're going to be putting him on Odell. The matchup seems okay. I think it's a tough matchup, but I think it's going to be fine for Odell's skill set. $8,200, I do like it. Now, the other receiver on Cleveland is $8,000 Jarvis Landry. I don't really know how much I want to stack both of these guys. I'm probably picking one where I can. Right now, I lean to get to Odell. I think Jarvis Landry after week one pretty much showed us that he'll stay on the field like he did in the last game all the time. He ran 33 routes like Odell. He saw one deep target. He ended up actually, like last year, very similar. He saw less targets than Odell, six targets in this game but he actually was a lot more efficient on them catching five of them 61 yards he played 61 percent of the time 60.6 to be exact out of the slot I think that he's going to see Mackenzie Alexander the former Minnesota Viking I think that that's a fine matchup for Jarvis Landry Alexander is a good slot cornerback but 60 percent of the time he's going to go up against him then I'll move to the outside where he probably sees some Darius Phillips which is also a fine matchup Cincinnati's secondary was the biggest improved piece of their defense in week one so don't take them as the guys from last year last year's secondary was down like six or seven bodies now they're actually healthy with William Jackson Mackenzie Alexander the new acquisition there Darius Phillips to an extent so yeah, I think their secondary is actually going to be much improved this year. It was like a top 10 secondary after week one, I think like top five, actually right around top five, whereas last year was easily one of the worst in the league due to a lot of injuries. So through four names, Joe Mixon, John Ross, 
Uh, Odell and Jarvis Landry. I probably have the most interest right now in Odell at his price point of $8,200, but I do think that all these guys are definitely in play. They're yeses for me. Next up, we're going to go to Joey Burrow. Joey Burrow, who was just pressured left and right in week one. 38.6% of his dropbacks resulted in pressure. That's no good. That's no bueno. He only had a 67.6% adjusted completion percentage and a 5.4 yards per attempt. The average yards per attempt in the league is around seven. So that's not good at all. But the thing that really saved his week and caught a lot of people's attention was the fact that one, he led a game winning drive or at least a game tying drive that would have been game tying, but and ended up missing up an easy field goal, which is not too good. And then he ran on the ground for eight carries, 46 yards, and one being a highlight reel run that resulted in a touchdown. So eight for 46 and a touchdown on the ground. Yeah, when you're getting over 10 fantasy points on the ground, that's going to help you out. I'm a little bit concerned for Joe Burrow. I might move him from a yes to a maybe as I talk about this. His offensive line was brutal in week one, and Cleveland was getting a ton of pressure on Baltimore's offensive line. That was down Marshall Yondo, who retired and might be a Hall of Famer for the Baltimore Ravens. So you can give them a little bit of slack there. But still, that offensive line in Baltimore is better than the offensive line that you're going to see in Cincinnati. And Cleveland was getting to them and abusing them left and right. And now Cleveland's favorites in this game. So if they get up, they can even dial up the pressure even more. So that's my concerns for Joe Burrow. The saving grace is that he does have the mobility and he has a ton of weapons still. And I think his attack against the secondary of Cleveland, yes, it's a pretty decent secondary with Denzel Ward out there. But outside of that, I'm not too scared of guys like Tavari Thomas and Terrence Mitchell at all. So I think that your biggest threat is going to be Denzel Ward. If he could take somebody out of this game, maybe it'll be John Ross. I don't really know. It's yet to be seen. Maybe it'll be AJ Green for parts of the game. But outside of that, you're going to have the underneath passes to Tyler Boyd, to your running backs, to probably John Ross if he's going to go into the slot as much as he did last week. I'll leave him as a yes only because when it comes to projections, again, you can get them down below on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore just my name. It's all linked up down below. Projections, rankings, not only for the showdown slate, both showdown slates of the week, Monday and Sunday night. You get a bunch of stuff, projections and rankings for the main slate. A 22 page game by game notes went out last week. I assume it's going to be more since there's an extra game on the Sunday slate this week because there's not two Monday night games. Targets and touches recaps each week. A bunch of other stuff is going out. A closing thoughts podcast. You can get it all down below. So I'm going to leave him as a yes because I have both the quarterbacks projected as like my two highest projected plays. They're going to be in play. I think in most lineups, you're probably going to have one of them. I don't think that you have to roster a quarterback on this slate, but they're just much easier to roster since they're barely cracking $10,000. But yes, I do have a lot of concerns about the timing that Joe Burrow will have, especially on a short week for a rookie to analyze all the tape on Monday and Tuesday. It's going to be really difficult once you actually have to turn around that quickly for your first to second week in the NFL being on a a short week. That's a huge advantage for Cleveland, the favorites in this game. Next up, Tyler Boyd. He played 81% of the snaps. He had a team leading 39 routes one in week one, but he ended up having a really tough matchup against Chris Harris Jr., the former Denver Bronco and the new Los Angeles Chargers. So tough spot for Tyler Boyd. It resulted in five targets, which is good to see out of the slot. He played 82% of his snaps out of the slot, but four receptions for 33 yards. I think Tyler Boyd is a really nice matchup this week. Against, I believe it's pronounced Tavir. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. But Tavir Thomas, he played over 90% of his snaps on defense in the slot. And you had Tyler Boyd last week playing 82% of his snaps out of the slot. So Tyler Boyd at $7,000, in my opinion, is probably a better play than Landry. Easier matchup, probably going to see more targets overall. Probably going to have to see quicker targets with the line of Cincinnati being an issue for opening up things deep downfield, which is why right now that I think Tyler Boyd is probably my favorite Cincinnati Bengal. And a lot of people are down on him after week one, him being a disappointment, but that was just a tough matchup. And he still saw the volume. Now we go to Baker Mayfield, quarterback for Cleveland, 66.7% adjusted completion percentage week one, not good. And he was only pressured on 28% of his dropbacks. That's not that bad. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's not that bad considering that 40% of Joe Burrow's dropbacks were pretty much pressured in week one. He threw three deep passes on 39 attempts, which is decent to see, but a very, very gross 4.5 yards per attempt. That is absolutely atrocious. I mean, Joe Burrows was 5.4 and that was bad. 4.8 gets even worse at that time, but I'm expecting him to have time to throw in this one. It looks like Cincinnati's defensive line was a little bit improved since last year, at least after week one. It's hard to really analyze this too much, but I do think you're going to see a positive pass blocking advantage according to pro football focus of almost 20% for a guy in Baker Mayfield this year. You have less of a a mobility upside in my opinion compared to Joe Burrow, but he's also cheaper. I think I prefer right now Baker if you told me to pick one quarterback to Joe Burrow, but it's all going to come down to my rules and the settings that I set 
set up to see what the optimizer will give me. My final yes as of right now is Nick Chubb, $7,600. I think you're going to get the better offensive line advantage here. He's also a favorite for Nick Chubb. A lot of people are jumping up and down. Sal, should I trade Nick Chubb? I mean, you're overreacting. The people that are, are trading for him for you in your league are absolutely dominating you in that trade every day of the week. Like, let's be honest here. Green Hunt ends up seeing like five receptions on 13 routes from. That's just way too efficient. Like, I don't think he's going to get that again. They were trailing. And then Kareem Hunt also out carries Nick Chubb, 13 carries for 72 yards on the ground, sees two evaded tackles. Nick Chubb only gets 10 carries, but he's very, very good on those carries. 10 carries for 60 yards. He has also has three evaded tackles. I really just think it was a game flow. I think the fact that they got absolutely destroyed early led to more Kareem Hunt on the field for passing down situations. And that just led to Kareem Hunt carrying the ball more. I don't think there's anything too crazy to this. I think more times than not, Nick Chubb is going to lead in the overall touches in this team, at least definitely in the backfield. I think week one is going to get people up in arms. And I think in your season long leagues, you should be trading for Nick Chubb right now, not trading him away because his overall price tag and the owner's abilities and the confidence that they have in Nick Chubb right now on their team is just absolutely flying downward. But we know Kareem Hunt is the pass catching back. And it was a game flow situation where they were just trailing by a ton. So just get Kareem Hunt on the field. Maybe they didn't really care that much. They don't want Nick Chubb out there who was having concussion issues, not even more than right around two weeks ago, he was having concussion issues. So you're getting killed by 20 plus points. Why are you leaving this guy out there who had concussion scares literally two weeks ago and he was waiting to get cleared up until like 10 days ago. So I like Nick Chubb here. I think Kareem Hunt is definitely in play at his price point as well, but Kareem Hunt's priced up. Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is at a fair price point, $1,000 cheaper than Joe Mixon. Yes, Joe Mixon might have a better overall pass catching role since he doesn't have a threat like Kareem Hunt behind him, but Joe Mixon does not have a better overall on the ground role, in my opinion. I think Mixon more times than not probably sees 15, 16 touches on the ground in this game. I think Nick Chubb more times than not probably sees 15 or 16 touches on the ground in this game. For me, they should probably only be like a $400 difference, and Nick Chubb is the favorite for $1,000 less. I lean to Nick Chubb over Joe Mixon. Doesn't mean you can't have both of them. Doesn't mean I don't like both of them. Those are all the guys that I like. After that, AJ Green is where we start to get into my maybes, and obviously, I'll start to get into more pieces on the Thursday live stream once I actually make my 150 lineups and we have my exposures and understand my rules and things like that. But AJ Green, it's just a price point for why right now I'm not going to get up in arms about him. I do think AJ Green has actually a very good matchup this week against this secondary that was actually fine in week one for Cleveland. He's probably going to see some Denzel Ward, but I think he's going to actually see a lot of Terrence Mitchell as well. AJ Green played most of his snaps on the right side of the field last week, whereas Terrence Mitchell was on the right side of the field 90% of the time. He's pretty much stationed there. He would not move. If that's the case, again, you're probably going to get to avoid Denzel Ward, who Denzel Ward played 90% of his snaps on the left side, unless Ward decides to shadow Green, which I don't expect. Green played 66% of the snaps. He looked like the best receiver out there. He was the most targeted. He should have had a touchdown pass as well. Joe Burrow just completely overthrew him. He was open in the end zone with no one around him. Nine targets, five receptions. Again, one of those should have been a touchdown. He had three deep targets. Again, that was the one. One of those would have been a touchdown. If that's the case, AJ Green might be more expensive on this case. People would own him in higher rates. So I think there is at least some merit to getting him that lower ownership than he'll ever come in because that touchdown was not completed. But he looked the best. He had a 1.7 yards per run, which is not elite, but it was the best of all these Cincinnati players. $9,000. We'll see how much I get of him. It's just a price tag that's making me a little bit weary to start. The kickers, my answer is as always, kickers are fine, especially in lower total games like this one. That's not over 50 points or even over 48 points. You should be getting one at most, but it's fine to have none. A lot of times I have none. Bengals defense at 3,600 is in play. Pressure was not there week one, but their coverage overall improved. Again, I'm not going to be breaking down these defenses or kickers too much. If I get some, that's fine. If I don't get any, that's fine as well. Uh, I don't think they have that high of a ceiling, at least the kickers. And more times than not, the defenses usually don't have a high ceiling unless they're going to be scoring multiple touchdowns. Kareem Hunt at $7,400. Look, I like Kareem Hunt, but it's a little expensive. I understand how many touches he saw week one, right? He saw the most touches on the team, like 18 touches, 13 carries, 72 yards, two evaded tackles. He saw like six targets on 13 routes run. That's probably not going to happen again, especially as a favorite in this one. I think it's more so a Nick Chubb game. Nick Chubb's only $200 more expensive than Kareem Hunt. I think everybody's overreacting to week one. I could be wrong. This could be a 50-50 split, but I do think there's an overreaction to week one. I know Kareem Hunt just got paid, but a $200 difference between the two of these guys is a little bit too crazy for me. So I'm going to still lean at least for this week that the game flow ended up getting Kareem Hunt on the field more. And actually Nick Chubb, if this team is leading or in a neutral game script, we'll see his majority of the touches and a $200 price difference leads me to get to Nick Chubb much more than Kareem Hunt. Again, 
week one could be real, but if people are all going to think that, I'll try and take advantage of the edge that just says, no, that was just week one. They were getting blown out. Austin Hooper at tight end. I'm not jumping up and down at the $6,800 price tag. I know David Njoku. We should call out that injury wise. David Njoku is now an IR. $6,800. I'm not that excited. He ran 28 routes, which was pretty good. He actually saw 32% slot snaps, which is good. And Njoku is now on the IR. So you would hope and expect that he gets more than two targets on 28 routes this week. But at $6,800, I think he's just a fair price point. He doesn't project out that great for me in terms of my projections. Right now, I don't expect to get any overwhelming amounts of a guy in Austin Hooper. If I do, that's fine. But yeah, right now he's not projecting out that well. I have him for 9.7 fantasy points, which actually makes him one of the worst value plays in the slate right now for me. So going down a little bit more, more kickers, more defenses. Now we start to get into these cheap guys that I can just tell you a little bit about, but I don't know how much viable they're going to be. Um, Kadero Hodge actually ran as the wide receiver three. So this is important. He's only $400. He ran 21 routes. He saw three targets. He ran 28.6 of his routes out of the slot, 55% overall snap count. That's actually decent to see. Like if I filter this by value, I haven't projected for two and a half fantasy points, which obviously two and a half fantasy points, even if he gets that or even gets three, he's probably not winning you a slate or in a winning lineup. But it's at least worth mentioning that these guys that are down here, there's viable guys in like a two and $400 range. He ran a lot of routes. He ran literally over 20 routes on a lot out of the slot. He was operating as the wide receiver three and three wide receiver sets for this team. So keep an eye on Hodge. Again, I don't think that he's probably going to be something that you need to play, but it's at least worth mentioning that he got some usage. And the other player who got some usage and is about to get even more usage is Harrison Bryant, their rookie tight end. David Njoku is now on IR. Harrison Bryant came in. He played 80% of his snaps out of the slot. He ran 15 routes out of the slot. And again, this was with David Njoku playing for the far majority of the game. So 80th percentile dominator rating according to player profile in college. If I filter this by value, right now I have Harrison Bryant projected for 4.2 fantasy points at a price point of $200. He's by far my number one value play in the slate, but take it easy here. If Harrison Bryant goes out and scores four and a half to five fantasy points, that's good from a projection standpoint. But if a bunch of other players are scoring a lot of points, it makes it really difficult to actually get him into your lineups and making it matter. It comes down to more overall points rather than value. But I will say that I haven't seen a $200 player in a while that has the same upside as Harrison Bryant. If you're going to be running 20 to 25 routes at $200 and high upside routes as a tight end out of the slot and a red zone target, that's really good. But I don't want to get carried away here and, and have you guys jumping up and down about it. But I do think since he's all the way down here and a lot of people don't know too much about this kid, he's a rookie. They probably don't even know he played last week. You probably didn't even know this before you watch this majority of you. I do think that he's actually going to be under owned for the price tag of $200. Just know that he might literally only see one or two targets. But last week he was involved and he's going to be even more involved now that David Njoku is actually on the IR. He saw two targets last week on 15 routes. I think he's probably going to see 20 routes run plus this week, majority of them out of the slot. You're probably going to get another two to four targets with upside to those targets. So this is like a legitimate $200 play that I haven't seen in a while. Outside of that, CJ was almost $5,000. I don't have much interest. Like he's 5,000. I think it's a fair price point. He grades out as a very meh play for me, like one of my worst overall value plays for my projection on him. Look, he can fall his way into a touchdown and then he can be viable, but I think that's what you're going to need. He had a very sneaky 31 routes run, 72% of the snaps. He did have a good week one, five targets, but this is like a ceiling performance for CJ Ozoma unless he finds the end zone. Five targets, four catches, 45 yards. Like those eight fantasy points at $5,000 aren't going to do it for you because you're going to have kickers for $2,000 less scoring eight fantasy points. But the upside to Ozoma compared to kickers is the fact that he can score a touchdown. But if you're going to tell me that Ozoma is going to have a similar role, right? If you have Harrison Bryant running 25 routes to almost 30 routes, I think I might just end up taking Harrison Bryant for a $4,800 price discount and hope that he just sees a couple more targets. And there you go. They're going to have a similar role, in my opinion. Outside of that, no interest in anybody else. ST Higgins played 22% of the snaps and Auden Tate played 22% of the snaps. Giovanni Bernard did see five targets on 11 routes run. I don't expect that much efficiency yet again from them. Mike Thomas, the Mike Thomas on Cincinnati, who's actually going to play 
play this week as New Orleans Michael Thomas got injured. He ran 10 routes in week one. He saw three targets and two receptions on 22% of the snaps, a 20% slot usage. This is another $200 player, but again, he was kind of really efficient. Like if you're going to run 10 routes and three see three targets, that's pretty rare. But Mike Thomas was on the field 22% of the time. He caught one pass for 12 yards. If I'm playing a $200 player, it's Harrison Bryant. It's not Mike Thomas. But again, this is one of the slates where we actually have $200 players being involved. So I think DraftKings just missed the pricing up on this one. Like these guys should all be at least one to $2,000. Harrison Bryant should probably be like $3,500 this week, maybe even more. Yeah, for the first time, maybe ever, I'm actually interested in a $200 player. But again, I know I'm talking about him a lot because relative to most $200 players, he's really good. But let's just ease the expectations because he can come out and just score four fantasy points and it doesn't matter. But there's a real chance that this guy can score double digit fantasy points if he finds the end zone. So thank you for tuning into this one. This was an action packed, information packed, educate yourself to try and win the Dollar Ruskies showdown slate. I appreciate you all tuning in. If you got any type of information that you enjoyed from this, and I think you did, but if you did, please do take a second of your time on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the big old subscribe button that's popping up bottom right hand corner. It really helps this channel grow and be sure to hit the notification bell so you can be notified of when I'm about to go live and go live on Thursday night before this game starts. I talk about the percentage of ownership I have towards specific players. If you're listening on the podcast, chance to win $50. You don't even have to put any money up for this. It's not even a bet. You just have a chance at a giveaway of $50. If you leave a review on the podcast show, which allows more people to see this, the Salvetry show on the iTunes store, you can leave a review. It's linked down below in the description for the link to get over there to leave one. Also hit the follow and subscribe on podcast. It literally takes two seconds to follow or subscribe on the platform you're listening to. And then it takes maybe 30 seconds to leave a review, five stars, and just saying something nice about the show. So I appreciate that in advance. Thank you so much for tuning in. Superdraft is a proud sponsor of the show. Go over there, get their multiplier format. I'll give you a little bit of a taste for what my Superdraft projections are saying right now for these players. They'll try and give you the nudge to get over there if you watch the entire video. My number one Superdraft play in the slate, Odell Beckham Jr. as a 1.5x multiplier. He grades out for about 24 fantasy points for me over on Superdraft. So my number one play over there, Odell Beckham Jr. Go ahead, sign up for Superdraft, promo code SAL, 50% deposit match up to $1,000 Ruskies and start your lineup off with Odell Beckham Jr. And you're on your way to the big dollar Ruskies. We brought the big energy. I hope you had a great day. If you want the rest of the projections, ranks linked down below on Patreon. There's all the plugs. You all rock. I'll see you in the next one. We have a betting video coming out this week. Final thoughts video. Live streams, two of them on Thursday for a stardom cinema and the Thursday night. And then Sunday morning, we go live for the big stream, the big one. The big energy comes, the big crowd comes, and we knock out every game of the 13 games answering all your questions. I'll see you there, gang. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out.